Let's uh, turn in our Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. I titled this morning's message, Laborers in the Vineyard. And this last Sunday, we covered chapter 19, verses 16 to 30, And we saw a young man that had come to Jesus who many referred to as the rich young ruler. And he's called the rich young ruler because they're really descriptive words of who this young man was. And he came to Jesus on this particular day with maybe the most important question that anyone could ever ask. In verse 16... This is what he asked of the Lord. He says, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? The only problem with his question to the Lord was, what good thing shall I do? That was the, uh, that was the problem with that. Because I think in his mind, he was thinking, what do I need to do to get to heaven? And many people today think the same way. But the fact is, is that it's not what we can do, but it's all what he has already done. And that's the good news of the gospel. But that led Jesus to respond in verse 17 and 19, uh, through 19. He says to this rich young ruler, if you want to enter into life, then keep the commandments. And then he added this to it. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I think that as the rich young ruler heard those words, he's probably thinking inside, I've done that. He actually said, I've done those things for my youth up. I can keep those things. All of these things I have kept from my youth. He says, but what do I still lack? And obviously, even in his assessment of his own life, he felt that he was doing that what God had required. But something in the back of his mind says, is there anything else that I must do? He wanted to make sure that he wasn't going to come up short. I think it might be the equivalent of what maybe some people say, and maybe you have even said this at some point in your life. You know, I've kept the Ten Commandments. Have you ever said that? Somebody asks, are you going to go to heaven? Well, I keep the Ten Commandments. I've had people say that to me many times in witnessing. They think they've kept the Ten Commandments, but they really haven't. But obviously this man wanted to make sure. But here's what's really uh, important to note is that Jesus knows the heart of man. He knows your heart. He knows every human heart that's out there. He knows all the excuses. He knows all the the things that we would put up there to say, this is why I think I should go to heaven. Jesus knew this young man's heart. And he said in verse 21, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete, then go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. That was Jesus' response. You see, this young man, he had treasure on earth. 
He had possessions. But here's Jesus telling him, you can have treasure in heaven. That you, you would think that would go, wow, treasure in heaven. I would much rather have that than the treasures of this earth. But then we read maybe one of the most depressing words in verse 22. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Great possessions. They, they actually gripped his heart. I've kept the commandments. I don't even have a problem with following after you. But the problem with the rich young ruler, he had a heart of covetousness. He coveted the things that he had. Those things stood in his way between him and God and eternal life. He actually loved his things more than he could say that he wanted eternal life. But it wasn't until the Lord just put him on that spot because he knew his heart and he brought it to the surface. The issue of his heart was covetousness. That in itself, that sin alone would keep him out of heaven. Jesus then used this opportunity to teach his disciples a lesson. He always did that. He'd minister to people. And then in the ministering to people, I'm going to teach my disciples something also. I'm going to disciple them. And the Lord did that at every opportunity. In verse 23, we read, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And then we're told in verse 25, when his disciples heard it, when he heard those words, it says that they were greatly astonished. Why were they astonished? It says they were greatly astonished at these words. They said, who can be saved? Because in their mind, they thought, you know, the blessed of God are the ones that had wealth. The ones that had material possessions. Truly, the blessing of God is upon their life. And what that meant to them is, if the blessed people can't get into heaven, then what hope is there for us? You know, we're just, we're just fishermen. What hope are there for the people that, you know, that's what they were thinking. That's how their mindset was. It was even taught in that day that rich people and material wealth was a blessing from God. First, it was a question of salvation. And now it's a question in the disciples' mind, what do we get from you, God, if we follow you. What do we get? I mean, we dropped our nets. We left our family. We did all of these things to follow after you. What do we get for doing that? I think that this rich young ruler really got them thinking, what about us? We've given it all up. You just exhorted him to sell all he had and give to the poor. And he went away sorrowful and he wouldn't do it. 
but we've given it all up, Lord. So what do we get? Peter, in verse 27, the spokesperson quite often for the 12, he says, see, we've left all and followed you. He's probably thinking, unlike the rich young ruler, therefore, what shall we have or what do we get? Notice, it's not I now in your Bibles, but it's we. He's actually speaking for all of the 12 disciples. What do we get for leaving it all and following after you? That would be a good verse for you to note in your mind as an important verse for our text today. You might want to underline verses 27. So Jesus, knowing Peter and the rest of the disciples, he also knew their hearts and he knew their motives. Just like the Lord knows your heart and your motive for service and for you following after him. He can actually see into the very recesses of your heart. That can be scary. God knows our hearts. God knows our motives. And so Jesus in verse 28 says to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. This was a promise that was given just to those 12 disciples. And then he says in verse 29, and everyone... Now he broadens the promise. Now everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. And also in response to this question that Peter and really all of the disciples put before the Lord in verse 27 What shall we have or what shall we get? Jesus then says this. Look at your Bibles, verse 30. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. He knew their hearts. He knew what they were wrestling with right now. He knew what was going on inside of them. And so the Lord is going to teach them a lesson here even on all of this. Jesus answered their question with a promise. He gave the promises to them. You're going to judge the the 12 tribes of Israel. You're going to sit on thrones in that millennial kingdom. But he also wants to warn them here. He's warning them that there's coming a day. And this coming day is for all of us that know Christ. There's coming a day when God is going to search the hearts, search the motives of all those who know him. Well, our our hearts are going to be tested. Our motives, the things we do, whether they were for the Lord or for ourselves, are going to be tested by fire. Maybe they were also thinking... We've been walking with you, Lord, for three years already. We've been following after you. We left all. And maybe they were thinking that they had a little bit of seniority. 
Uh, maybe their seniority would be worth something in the kingdom. Uh, we left all and followed after you. That was a few years ago, Lord. And in a sense, I believe what they were doing in their statement to the Lord is they were comparing themselves with the rich young ruler. They were, they were comparing themselves, thinking, you know what, he's unwilling. He wouldn't do it, but we gave it all up, Lord. And so what do we get? That was really where their hearts were. And the Lord knew it. He knew it. The problem with their question is, is that God's kingdom, God's kingdom rules. The way God gives out rewards and treasures and and gifts is not man's way. He doesn't do it our way. He does it his way. God has a way of bestowing honor and rewards. And, and for those that are in even in position, but he does it his way, not our way. You see, the world's way of doing things is they bestow honor and rewards and they even give positions to people in business based upon their effort, based upon the amount of time that they put towards their job. And those are all commendable things, but often that's how they receive the reward. That's how they receive their advance in the kingdom or in the earthly kingdom. But God's way of doing things is not man's way. And our thinking sometimes doesn't even line up with how the Lord's thinking is. In God's kingdom, you see, it's always more about the heart. It's more about the heart attitude. It's more about the motives of why we serve and what we do and why we do it that God is concerned with. He's not as concerned, and as a matter of fact, he's not concerned at all with those positions that people hold in churches. Those places where they're, they're raised up in the people's eyes. Those things don't hold any weight in God's kingdom. You know, seniority in the kingdom of God, meaning how long you've been a Christian, that's not going to give you more rewards and treasures in heaven. You know, being, being in a place of position within the church, you're not going to get blessed more and more things given from the Lord to you because of those positions. Or even for what you call your sacrifice. I've committed so many hours, Lord. I've done this for you, this for you. I've committed, you know. And when we start putting it upon ourselves and what we've done for God, many of those things are probably going to hit the fire and the Lord's going to say, you didn't do it for me. You did it for you. You did it so other people could see you. In Luke chapter 9, Verse 46, we're told that the disciples one day, that they began to reason among themselves as to who should be the greatest. (laughs) Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? We're, We're told that Jesus perceiving the thought of their heart. Here it is. Perceiving the thoughts of their heart. 
He took a child and he sat him by him and he said to the disciples, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. And then he says this, for he who is least among you will be great. <laughs> that's not, that's unnatural. That's not, that's not what the world says. That doesn't seem right. That's how some of us might even respond to that. For he who is least among you will be great. That's God's way. That's God's kingdom. That's the way he bestows blessing and reward. There was another time, even in Matthew's God, this was, this was at the Last Supper. The disciples, we read in Luke's account of this in chapter 22, verse 24, it says, now there was a dispute among the disciples. Here they are disputing as to which of them would be considered the greatest in the kingdom of God. And Jesus says this, For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? And they had to think about this. Well, yes, it is. Those that are sitting, the servants, they're all the ones on the, uh, serving us. But then Jesus says this, Yet I, I am among you as one who serves. Who's the greatest? They're thinking, this is not natural. This is not the way our natural mind thinks. This is different. This is God's kingdom rules. His way of giving out treasure and reward for the faithful. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, he said to his disciples one day, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Unnatural. It's opposite of the way we think. And then he says in verse 30 in our text this morning, really the same thing. But many who are first will be last. In the last first. Again, it's unnatural. It's God's way. Some of the words, as I was looking at these various encounters that the Lord had with his disciples, some of the words that get us into trouble as Christians, they're these words. Reasoning in our hearts. You ever done that? Thinking about you know, you'll get yourself in trouble. Start reasoning in your hearts all these various things. Also, self-exaltation. Lifting yourself up in the eyes of people. Making yourself seem like you're above anyone else in the body of Christ. Unholy ambitions. It's not wrong to be ambitious if it's done for the Lord in the right heart. But an unholy ambition means that you'll trudge over other people to get to where you want to be, even in the body of Christ. There's also pride. 
And there's that promoting of ourselves. These are lessons that the disciples had to learn because their flesh was there. It's lessons that we have to learn as believers. God doesn't honor that. Self-promoting myself, trying to lift myself up in people's eyes. God doesn't honor that, nor will you ever receive any reward for it. Verse 30, but many who are first will be last and the last first. That verse actually leads us really into our text this morning. Uh, And Jesus is now going to use a parable. He's going to use a parable now to teach his, or we could say reinforce what he had just said to them. I'm going to use a parable to reinforce my words that I just said to you. It's interesting to know that Matthew's gospel is the only one that has this particular parable in it. But before we look at the parable, I want to make, for your own benefit, in your own study of the Word of God, I want to share with you a few things about parables that are important to know. Parables can be broken down into three types. Similitudes. Similitudes are when a person or a thing is like or it is a match or a counterpart of something else. An example of that is in Matthew's gospel in chapter 13. The whole chapter is dedicated to parables. And Jesus says before each one of them, the kingdom of heaven is like. It's what we're, it's what we're going to read in the parable this morning. There's also parabolic sayings. Now, parabolic sayings are one-liners. These one-liners were often used by our Lord. Uh, one of those times was like, uh, like the physician that healed thyself. He says, uh, or like the physician who heals thyself, or that no one sews a, a new patch on an old garment, or no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or the blind man cannot, uh, or a blind cannot, uh, guide cannot, blind cannot, I can't even say it. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Those are all parabolic scenes. They're just one-line statements that Jesus would make. But then there's also full parables that Jesus would give, like the parable of the sower. And he would go into this whole story and he'd begin to relate it to something common of the day, the sower going out, and they would, it would just be clicking off in their mind exactly what, and, the, and he would speak in parables. Now, parables were often also used by our Lord to hide things from people that didn't have hearts that were ready to receive or hard hearts that, were, that didn't want to receive. He would speak in parables and those that could hear would hear. And those who couldn't hear because of their hard hearts, they couldn't hear. They couldn't understand. It didn't make any sense to them. And so the Lord often spoke in parables. Let's look, uh, first off, I want to make a point that verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 30 says, but many who are first will be last and the last first. And then the last verse that we're going to look at in verse 16 of chapter 20, look at your Bibles. So the last will be first and the first last, for many are called, but few are chosen. 
<clears throat> That's the point that our Lord is going to try to get across to his disciples. Now look at verse 1 of chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. Now the first word that we see here is the word for, F-O-R. Now, that word for, it makes us look back to the previous verses. When you see that word for, it's because this is a continuation of thought. Remember that when you see chapters in your Bible, and you see verses in your Bible, those weren't put there by the Holy Spirit. Those were put there by a man that did it for our convenience so that we could find verses and we could... But sometimes those chapter breaks are not in the best location. Sometimes verses, verse numbers are not in the best location. So be aware of that. In this particular case, this dialogue that Jesus is having with his disciples is continuing on in chapter 20 with this parable that he is going to reinforce his statement with. We have the landowner here, and I believe in the context of this particular parable, it's referring to Jesus himself. Here's the application of this parable. It's about service and it's about reward. Uh, It it, it follows uh, the things pertaining to the kingdom of heaven. We're told that this landowner, that in verse 1 here, that he got up and he went out early in the morning. And this particular uh, wording here is speaking of at dawn, like when the sun is rising up. Here's this landowner that goes out at possibly 6 o'clock in the morning, and he's going out looking for his laborers so that he can hire them and send them out into the vineyard. Now, this was the best time of day to hire somebody. The reason being is because you're going to get a full day out of them. You're going to have a full 12-hour day, and in doing so, you're going to pay them a denarius, which a denarius was a day's wages. And so here's this landowner going out first off and finding those laborers early in the morning. Now, this first group of laborers that were called to go to the vineyard, they came to the landowner and they made a contract with the landowner uh, for their labor. And when they agreed upon their, uh, with the laborers for this denarius a day, they set this contract and then the landowner just sent them out. Now go do your work. And they, they came up with a contract, they agreed upon it, and we're going to work for a denarius for a day's wages. Then we get to verse 3. Then the landowner went out about the third hour, which is nine o'clock in the morning. And he saw others that were standing there in the marketplace and they were standing there idle. And the landowner said to them, you also go out into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. And then we're just simply told, and they went out. No contract, didn't talk about it. He just says, I'll just give you what is right. Go into the vineyard and go to work. Again, in verse five, He went out about the sixth hour, which is noontime, and at the ninth hour, which is three o'clock, and he did likewise. 
And about the 11th hour, which is 5 o'clock in the evening, he went out and he found others that were standing idle. The whole day's gone. This is now 5 o'clock in the evening. He sees these others standing idle and he says to them, Why have you been standing idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. No one's hired us. In other words, the calling had not come upon them yet. No one came and asked us to go out and work. We would have, but no one's called us. And he said to them, Okay, you also go out into the vineyard. And whatever is right, you will receive. No contract. Just go out and whatever is right, that's what I'll pay you. And so when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and gather them for their wages. Go get them and bring them in. And he says, But I want you to begin with the last... Did you get it? I want you to begin with the last to the first. And when those who came for their wages... Uh, or when those who came who were hired about the 11th hour, remember this is the first group under contract with the landowner, that when they came, they each received a denarius. That was the contract. That was the agreement they made. But when uh, the first came, they supposed that they should receive more. All of a sudden, they see these other people straggling. We saw you come out here at 3 o'clock, at 12 and at 3, and and you came out even at 5 o'clock, and here you are standing with us. And they likewise received a denarius. What? You're going to pay them the same? And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner. They complained, saying, these last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us. We've borne the burden of the heat all day. We've been laboring out here all day long in the heat of the day. And then these workers come in in the cool of the day and they knock out an hour and you're going to pay them a denarius the same way that's unfair that's not right they began to complain against the landowner you know complaining for a Christian or complaining in ministry, we could say, is not a good thing. Uh, but do you know this? That the churches are full of complainers. Full of them. We've all done it. Complained. Thought something unfair. Didn't get what we deserved. And it's often just our own heart. We complain. And many times there's people that complain over anything and everything. It's almost like part of their nature, a complainer. You see, to complain, it means to groan. It means to murmur. 
It means to grudge in your heart. It's sometimes against a brother or sister in Christ. But sometimes it's actually against God. You're complaining against God himself. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 77 verse 1, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me in the day of my trouble. I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused, listen to this, my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled, and I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Job 7.11 says, I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Do you know what happens when things are not going well in our walks with Christ? Or going well just in life. You're under a lot of pressure. You're under a lot of testing in life. You've got a lot going on. There's a lot of struggling going on in life. Do you know that you become a perfect candidate for complaining? It's just something inside. You know, when when I'm going through it, man, I just, I tend to be a complainer even more so. It's those difficult times in life that we become more vulnerable to complaining. This first group of laborers they supposed that they should have received more than the others. In a sense, they were thinking, if they're going to get a denarius for one hour of work, then by rights, we should get 12 denarius because we have worked a full day. That caused some complaining in their heart. To them, it wasn't fair. To Peter and the rest of the disciples, as the Lord was giving them this parable... Jesus, in a sense, was telling them through this parable that if this rich young ruler, if he ever decided to come in repentance and if he ever came and he sold all of his possessions and he gave it all to the poor and he did it in that last hour, he came right at that last bit and he sold it all and he began to follow me would he not still get a reward? That would be so unfair, Lord. Come on, we have left our nets, left all these things, and you're telling this rich, he could come at, it, at, it, at the very end, at the last, and you would reward him in that? Then what is all of our service for? Look what Jesus says in verse 13. But the landowner answered one of them, and he said, Friend, aren't you glad that it has that word? Friend, doesn't God know us? He knows us. Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? He's asking the question. Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give, you, give to this last man the same as to you. It's my wishes. I choose to do it. I'm God. And I choose to give this man that came at the last hour the same denarius as you got. 
Is it not lawful, the landowner says, for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your evil, uh, uh, your eye evil because I am good? Here, here's, the, here's all the goodness of the Lord being bestowed upon that person that even came at that last hour. And you're looking at me as I'm doing something wrong. How do you think all this sounded in the ears of the disciples? As they, as they really thought about this. And Jesus, and I, you know what? I think that many of us, probably in the same kind of situations in ministry, quite often we never say it out loud. <laughs> we, don't, we don't come out and say it like that. We don't, we don't say it out loud. But we have these questions in our own minds, in our own hearts. Why does God do things differently than the way I would do it? I, well, that's not the way I, that's not how I, fair I'd be. I'd be looking out at all these people that are, you know what I mean? And I'd be delving out some real rewards to those people that are really in those high places in the church. And that person that's just coming in here and cleaning the church or doing, you know, those people, you know what? I, I would get them what they're worth. God says it's not my ways. It's your ways. It's the way you would delve out those rewards. Verse 16, so the last will be first. He finishes with those same words. And the first last, for many are called, but few are chosen. We have such a gracious loving heavenly father that is so gracious towards us we're just mere human beings trying to do a holy work for god and so often we just we we don't do it right and he's gracious towards us he's loving toward he's patient towards us and aren't you glad i am i'm so glad When I think of Calvary Chapel Fellowship here, and I consider that out of the church of our size, we have three-quarters of the people in this church serving in some capacity in this church. We have people that are ushering and helping watch and security watching this place. We have people that are working in hospitality after service. We have people that are serving in worship. People that come here on Friday and clean the church building. We have people that are in sound and media. We have people that are serving in unseen ways. There's people that I know of that are doing things within this church that majority of you will never know. You'll never know the things that they are doing behind the scenes. But God sees them. And God will reward them for that. You see, this parable has an emphasis upon having the right attitude in service. What's our attitude towards serving 
in the body of Christ? I think a a question that we could all ask ourselves is, who am I laboring for? When it gets down to it, why am I really even doing what I do? Why would I come to this place and, and want to serve here? Uh, do I do it for God's glory or do I do it for man's glory? So that people can see me. You know, if you ask me to do some menial job where I'm unseen, I don't know that I'm going to do it. You give me something where I'm out in front of people, that's, that's my gifting. And many times Christians will jump at those areas of service. But if our service is for our glory, for my glory, uh, then that's all you're ever going to get. You'll, you'll never get any, any reward for it because God sees the motives of our heart. Here's a caution about motives. We can all do a lot of motive checking. You can motive check in people. You can motive check in your own self. And do you know that checking your own motives to some degree can be an instrument the enemy can use to trip you up? To where you go, oh, I think my motives are wrong. I'm backing out of sir. I'm not doing anything because I think all my motives are wrong. Maybe there's a time you need to, but I would say be careful of that. I would have to say that I probably had wrong motives at times. And if one day this pulpit was empty and... Somebody had to stand and say, well, Greg's not here today because his motives were wrong. Uh, I would say it's probably better for me to repent and get my heart right with the Lord and come up here and teach anyway. So be careful with the motive, but at the same time, God sees our hearts. He searches our hearts. And those are the things of service that God will reward you for. Don't be concerned with those people that come in in the last hour. You know, we have a work day at the church. You've been working here for five hours. Somebody comes into the inn and goes, been nice of you, got here at nine. When we started, you know, right there, you probably just lost all of your reward. And would you be happy with that person being able to have a hamburger at the grill when he only came in here for the last hour? Why are you eating? You know, I mean, that's the way our hearts are at times. It makes me wonder, what would a church look like if it had everyone in that church that was serving for the glory of God? What would it actually look like? You know, the teachers going in and ministering to our unruly children at times that didn't want to listen. And they were getting in, you know, and they came out of there with this big grin on their face. You know, praise the Lord for these children Praise the Lord that God gave me an opportunity to minister to them. And said so we want, this is, I just dislike it. You know, and we can complain. What would it look like if every area of service, people were doing it to the glory of God? I have a feeling that this would be the kind of place that anyone and everyone that really wants to find the Lord would want to come. They'd want to be here. Someday, all those who know Christ are going to be rewarded for their service. (laughs) 
That's going to be a, an eye-opening day for many of us. It actually makes me nervous to think about it. To, to, to stand before that, I have this picture of this big furnace. And everything that I've ever done for the Lord, this shovel, just shoveling it in. And then it hits the fire. And, you know, I, you know, some of us might be thinking, I don't want to stand next to that door when Greg's there at the door of it. Because he might get, I might have to have an asbestos suit on. Maybe it's going to blast out and everything's going to be gone. And that's what the Word of God pictures our rewards and loss of rewards because it's going to be tested as by fire. Yes, you'll be saved. Yes, you'll enter into the kingdom of God. But how much reward? Whatever those rewards look like, we don't know precisely. We don't know what it's all going to be. But it says there will there'll be rewards for all and everything that you have ever done for the Lord out of the right heart and out of the right motive. It'll never be because of your position. There's going to be uh, people probably at the front of the line, you know, all the pastors all the people in positions, all that, probably going to be at the back of the line. It's going to be those that are serving in these menial ways. At the front. What are they doing up there? That's God's way. His system, his reward system is based upon the spirit and the motive by which we serve. That's important to note. That's important to remember. God also will reward those that he calls to serve in particular areas. He will reward you for your faithfulness. Even when, you know, nobody's showing up to your Bible study. Even when no one's there and you don't, you know, and and you just remain faithful. God's called me to this and I'm going to stick to it. God will honor that. God will bless it. Let me ask us all this morning, are you being faithful with the ministry that God has given to you here in this church? Are you giving God and those you serve your very best? When you serve our children, when you serve our youth, when you do, are you giving them your very best? If you were to go out and you were to pick up a piece of paper on the lawn out there, and then as you picked it up, you had this big grin on your face, and you're thinking, you know what, Lord, I'm picking this up for you. I'm cleaning this toilet, Lord, for you. There's no complaining involved. You wouldn't complain. You, You would gladly... If it's done for the Lord, clean that toilet. You'd gladly pick up that piece of paper off the ground because it's your house, God, and I'm doing it for you. That's the heart that the Lord is looking for in our service to him. If you, and we'll close with this, if you're content with waiting for your reward from God in heaven then you won't be looking for your reward here on earth. I don't want it now. I'm storing it in heaven. No one may ever see. No one will ever know your diligence and your faithfulness in some areas. But God saw. 
and it will be rewarded in heaven. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3.8, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. God is very just. Nothing will get by the Lord's eye. He won't, he won't miss a thing. It doesn't matter how small it is of a, of a, of a, a, a given a cup of cold water in his name, and he saw it. I saw when you did that. I saw when you helped that person there. No one else saw it. God says, I saw it, and he will reward you. We hope you have enjoyed today's study. For more information on teachings, events, worship times, and location, please visit our website, ccfwinstonsalem.com. From Pastor Greg and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, thank you for listening and being part of our study through God's Word.